Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Friday the 13th this year was lucky in Madison for the people that came to the Wonders of the Invisible World release party. At oh, the, yeah. That All a, three of us were there. Yes, that's yeah. right. Oh. And that is uh, an album of songs based on songs we've created for the See You on the Other Side podcast. You can find more information on how to get a copy of that album for yourself in the show notes for this otherSidepodcast.com slash 193. But Friday the 13th was unlucky this year for all of us who love paranormal radio. Yeah. We we had no idea while we were, you know, um, at the the album release that somebody that has been very important to us over the years was dying. Yes. And so uh, Art Bell, the man who gave us coast to coast AM and countless hours of entertainment, as well as thought provoking topics. He passed away at the age of 72. Yeah. On April 13th. Uh, he was in Pahrump, Nevada. Yep. As home in, and Pahrump. Yeah. In Pahrump, in, in Nye County. And so they always had that deep voice that said, From the kingdom of Nye. And that's a, uh, Art would be in the kingdom of Nye. He was in his trailer as he, uh, you know, let's, let's go back and talk about Art Bell a little bit, real quick, for the, those of you guys who aren't familiar. This is our Art Bell tribute show. And so we're going to talk about the man who inspired a lot of us to talk about these strange topics and who really set the standard for Paranormal Talk Radio. I mean, Art Bell's Coast to Coast AM, um, you know, started in the late 80s and it didn't start getting into weird topics until the early 90s. And I remember... Allison, our mother, talking about Art Bell because she would stay up all night listening to the radio. She used to listen. Larry King, that was his. He used to have a a nighttime radio show. She listened listen to that. And right. once Larry, once Larry King retired and like went to just doing TV stuff and got off the radio, she was looking for something else to listen to in the middle of the night. And she'd be like, "Well, there's this guy named Art Bell, and he just talks about weird stuff." <laughs> So it's it's kind of like as you're, you're talking about this, Mike. <laughs> it's very revealing uh, about our childhood. <laughs> what a freak our mother totally is. You know, <laughs> she's like, you're like she was up all night. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, that's what she did. I mean, she was a night owl. So yes, she, and still is. Yes. Right? Oh yeah, she'll still be up late. <laughs> And uh, some people are just night people, and some people are morning people. Right. And, you know, it's, it's really a nasty rumor that we're a family of vampires. That's not true at all. There's no evidence right. whatsoever. Allison's a vegan vampire, right? You just suck plants' blood? <laughs> That's right. I'm like chlorophyll. She sucks chlorophyll. Oh right. She's a chlorophyll vampire. <laughs> she, she hungers for the taste of chlorophyll. <laughs> Did you guys ever read the Banicula books? <laughs> That's what I was just saying. But I, it's, I'm just like Banicula. Um, actually, you know, I teach fourth grade, so uh, my teaching partner has has read the book Banicula. I can't stomach it to tell you the truth. But um, we what did it, go see the play. <laughs> is it about a bunny? It's That's about a, vampire? a vampiric bunny who oh dear. Who, who is 
essentially he just likes juice. He's a juicer, right? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really boring. He's like well, Jack Jack LaLanne's juice tiger. So there was, I remember there was a Benicula like after school, not after school special, it was like a Saturday morning special when I when we were kids, Wendy. And then so there's a Benicula and then there was the sequel which I had read. I had actually I actually owned the sequel uh The Celery Stalks at Midnight. And that's about <laughs> Benicula's victims coming back to life. And that's appropriate because we're talking about Art Bell because Art Bell's show started here at midnight. Till That's four right. o'clock in the morning. Yes. And uh, I, I'd say starting starting when I became a not, night owl, which was in college, coast to coast is what I went to sleep every night. Yeah. And then I'd yeah. wake up I'd wake up and hear the pig futures. For real, you'd wake up and you'd hear uh-huh. the hog futures. I yep, know. Yep. That, that's pork bollies. Pork bollies, what are they selling at today? I need to know. <laughs> Who needs to know that's that? Right. The farm report with Pam Yankee here. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. The, the farm report in Madison. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, I mean- he would talk, and that was the first time I heard about Art Bell. Was mom saying, "Oh, you you might like that." He talks about all that weird stuff, and I'm like, "Okay, well, I like weird stuff, mom." And then you just start listening to it, and so that became, uh, you know, his voice became the sound that I went to bed with for years. Yeah, me so too. I, I I feel like Art lives in my dreams. Yeah, yeah, me too. And in spite of the um, sometimes disturbing topics that would keep you awake. His voice is very soothing and calm, and I think that's part of yeah. what made people comfortable talking to him well, about these crazy things. Yeah, definitely. And and you know, let's let's just put it this way: that he was there for many people in the night. You know, like if you're a night owl, you might have some other issues going on. You might be grieving. You might be in pain. You might be chronically ill. Um, and he was he was there. For those people, and he also allowed allowed you to talk about anything. You know, gave voice to a part of human experience, which is really unfairly marginalized and vilified. You know, the the well, paranormal, sometimes the, sometimes the, unfairly villainized and marginalized. Well, okay, because half the people that called in an open lines were lying <laughs> or acting. Okay, yeah. okay. well. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. But it does not mean that there's no signal to the noise. And that was the beauty of the show. I mean, he didn't have a screener. Yeah. So let's, I mean, let's set it up right there that Art yeah. Bell did not have a, he did not have a call screener. He so would just be like, talk to anybody. <laughs> You're on the line. And that would be it. And then he would have hotlines set up. Right. Uh, for for certain the Rockies. People. Right. West of the Rockies, East of the Rockies. East of the Rockies. Um, and then he'd have a hotline set up where, let's say, if you're the Antichrist, if you are the Antichrist, I want you to call in, and there's a special number for the Antichrist. There's a special number for people who used to work at Area 51. There'd be a special number for vampires. So if you were a vampire, I want you to call this number. And and, and we never, the- ever called. So, again, no evidence that we are vampires. <laughs> That's right. We never called the vampire line. I did call the Shadow People episode. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about that. I mean, because, okay. So here's the thing. He brought out topics. You know, yes, it was a trip to a nightly trip to crazy town. Yes. You know, there were disturbing topics. But I don't know about you. I find it very soothing to, you know, drift off to sleep 
listening to stories of you know satanic <laughs> sacrifices i don't know just might be just it. me i'm like oh he also had a soothing voice though it's like a lullaby what did you do to that baby again oh so relaxing <laughs> yes yeah, satanic ritual abuse put me to sleep um but, but the thing but about yeah, art though yeah go ahead he had this nice voice he he had the, the soothing radio voice he didn't have the like morning zoo radio voice yeah he wasn't a shock jock like, he he didn't come on. I mean, but the thing is, I'd never heard him when he talked originally about politics. So Coast to Coast AM was originally a traditional kind of political show. It wasn't paranormal topics. It was right. only he got, in, he got encouraged to take on these paranormal topics because uh, they were having better ratings on the paranormal shows than they were on political shows. Yeah. So, well, I'm sure that, you know, he, he was interested in the topic. And, you know, that he rubbed shoulders with um, people... Um, that you know have come into the news recently, like Bob Big- Bigelow. We'll have to talk about that as well. Because um, he was Nevada, Nevada based, and so's so's Bob Bigelow, right? Yeah, and George Knapp, and, right? You George- know all those Area Fifty One UFO people. Bob Lazar, Bob Robert Lazar. Lear. Yep. Well, Robert mm-hmm. Lear is the guy that takes credit for. Oh, John Lear, John Lear. I'm sorry, John Lear. John Lear is the guy that took credit for like changing Coast to Coast AM to a, a paranormal themed show. Because he was the UFO buff and he knew art, and he said that you know he's like I really you know we, this has to be a paranormal show. This is this is what you can do better than anybody. And I would say thirty years on, whatever from when Coast to Coast started, art didn't really do it better than anybody. His right. his, his episodes because the thing is you know we say that he didn't have a call screener. So number one, there was nobody between you and art. So once you like once you took us all on the trip to trip to Crazy Town. Art knew how to handle the trip too. Like he yeah. knew how to lead you. He knew how to lead the conversation yeah. in an interesting direction. And I think that's what's missing from a lot of paranormal talk. That's missing. I tell you, that's a struggle that we have right. in this show when people start going off on the like, like the meter starts going off. Like we're having a really interesting thing, and then it's all of a sudden you realize the crazy is going in the red, and you're like, "Oh no!" Like, how do we get crazy back to fun and out of the red? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He um could could definitely steer it in the most entertaining way, and he wasn't a yes man either. I mean, he he took a lot of these people to task. So I mean, that's interesting too. I mean, he he wasn't just um, a dyed-in-the-wool believer. He was skeptical as well. But, you know, like like we said, he, he brought some topics to the fore, like uh, the whole shadow person um, topic. And, um, I mean, you should tell your shadow person story again, Mike, because uh, I was just it's, so compelled. We've all heard it a million times. Oh, uh, well, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's it's cool because... It it is connected to Art Bell, right? Well, we because could reference our Shadow People episode. Yeah, we could do yes. that definitely. But you should tell the story about calling in Art Bell for sure, because yeah, how many yeah. of us have had that opportunity? Yeah. So the yeah. thing is, that was the first time I heard anybody talking about Shadow People was Art Bell in two thousand, and this is before he retired for the first time. And we'll get into Art Art's retirements in a second. But now I have my own thing where I saw a shadow person in the summer of nineteen ninety three, straight up saw a shadow two other people saw it with me 
uh, had an intense feeling of dread. We were walking through a park and we saw it. And I will never, I'll never tell it as good, tell you, as I did in episode 65 or when I recounted it to Nick Redfern. And then it was recounted again by the gentleman of Mysterious Universe, where they told the whole story in the episode. Right. So uh, make sure you check out episode 65 and you'll get the, uh, that, that's my official version. That's the one I tell the police. Uh, and that's the one I'll tell the judge. Uh, but that's my official statement is in that particular episode. So the thing is, though, I, I saw a shadow person straight up and I don't know what it was. There's no explanation for it. Just saw shadows. Two other people saw it and it, it, it freaked us out for real. And in 2000, I am driving back from Madison to La Crosse and it's after a show, I think, because it's like one o'clock in the morning. And what do we hear? But Art Bell's talking about shadow people. And he's like, interesting. If you've seen a shadow person, call this number. And I'm like, oh my God, I've seen a shadow person. I get to call. I finally get to call in. I finally get to tell a story. (laughs) Yeah, there's something related that you can share something new. Now, I just got in a cell phone not too long before. (laughs) Uh, So I didn't have a car charger yet, I don't think. So I'm sitting there and it's after 10 o'clock. So I'm not using my anytime minutes, which in 2000 was a big deal. And so I'm on the phone and I'm like, oh my God, finally. And so I start dialing in and it's constantly busy. It's busy, you know, for like 10 minutes. And I'm, but I'm undaunted because this is my chance for glory. I've been listening to myself <laughs> for years at this point. I've got a real story. I know I'm not going to be lying. I can talk to the man himself and I can tell him the story. And I can be like, this happened to me in 1993. It's not something like I heard out in the radio and then it happened. It's yeah. not something I've heard other people have the same kind of experience and then it happened. This was something that I was like, I, I can introduce do something new to the equation. Yeah. And uh, I'm all excited. I call up. I call, call, call. Finally, it rings. And I'm like, holy crap. I'm going to be <laughs> on the air. And so I'm getting all excited. And I'm passing by... Um, Mount Lacrosse. No, not Mount Lacrosse. I'm passing by Granddad's Bluff in Lacrosse, and I'm sitting there. I see the big American flag, and I'm getting all excited. I'm like, "That's gonna be me climbing to the top of Art Bell Mountain in a second. <laughs> and, and what happens is that I finally like uh, my phone, uh, or the, the phone answers, and I'm all ready. And then <sighs> it runs out of battery. At that no. And oh, I'm like, my. I'm about to, I was about to be on the line and it, ra- it ran out of battery. Oh, no. uh, so that was my chance to talk to Art Bell and technology, and technology made me lose it. Also my, my lack of preparedness because I had not bought a car charger at that point. For my new yeah. I'd never had a cell phone before. I didn't know how long it was going to last. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I could play Snake on it though. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. How long it was gonna last? I probably it was used one of those the ba- new things. New I probably things used the kids. battery playing Snake. Wait, that yeah. stupid game that sucked. <laughs> so you didn't ever actually talk to Art? No. Aww. Oh, I thought you did. No, That's my whole sad. story is that how I was getting there, and then <laughs> oh man, oh, a near whole, miss. Right, the whole story is about how it was a swing and a miss. You dweeb. But, <laughs> I know. Um, but you know the thing is, that's Mike, why was, that story is all set up and right. No, no payload, <laughs> no oh. delivery. But Mike, you know your your story about the shadow person was really compelling to me because I was such an avid listener. Uh, to Art Bell and and no I don't think I ever did call in uh, either um, assuredly not to the vampire line of course but um, right. I uh, you know was listening for so long and then when you told me that story 
it's like you told me before it i think you told me before it was on art bell you know and that was the thing yeah that's, that it was my like, story's real it was it was like here is someone i know and i kind of trust <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorta um and I was like, I know him. He's my brother. And he had this experience. And then, oh, man, then Art Bell comes out with this, you know, this big uh, shadow person thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, Mike saw a shadow person. Yeah. It, it was it, it was really a thrill to have it work out that way where you hear about it before it's reported. So it's not, you know... That, like you said, Mike, where you were influenced by anything, it was you having this experience, which is kind of an outlier because, I mean, people talk about ghosts, but you really didn't think of them as just this opaque, you know, like black, blackness, this this silhouette form. That's because it wasn't a ghost. Or yeah. you say like you see like Paul Revere riding around Boston or whatever, like see through. That's a yeah. ghost. But when you just see a shadow sitting by a sign looking at you, you're like, ah. Oh. I mean, it, what? Um, you, there was no explanation for it, and that's that's the point. And that was uh, a development I, that you know he brought out. You know that that this was another kind of paranormal experience. And once he brought it up, the calls just started flowing in like crazy. Like so many people had stories yeah, and that like, they related to it. They've so been that really, uh, for that. yeah, exactly. Well, and Heidi Hollis, who used to live in Milwaukee and now lives in Chicago. Yes. She's got her, I mean, she was on Coast to Coast many times. And so she brought into this entire mythology of right. the shadow people, too, like this war and the, you know, the, so. War between good and evil. Yeah. Right. She's mythology taking, is the key word there. Right. She's taking it on and developing something further from it that, that people have from the shadow people. And so I think that's something, too, that all of a sudden these uh, people can start communicating their experiences. And the 90s was the time for that because there was also Coast to Coast was one of the first places that had a forum where you could talk about these things on the Internet. And people would dice. I mean, before there was Reddit, there was Usenet, and there'd be Coast to Coast like message boards where people could talk about topics and they could discuss the things and they could dissect them. And that's what people were doing with. John Titor, the time traveler. So that, I mean, that's, we think about these big things, like these mysteries that were brought up on Coast to Coast AM, and then people would dissect them on the internet and they become something to talk about. Shadow people is just one example that we've brought up on the show a million times, but John Titor and his, his strange time travel, you know, he, that he belonged to the Time Travel Institute and that he was uh, in the American military in the year 2036. And he came back to the 1990s to try to create a different timeline where the Civil War did not happen. There was His whole thing was that the Civil War happened again in 2015. And that by the time we get to 2036, America is like busted up into three different you know, three different sections and there's been nuclear conflict. And basically he said that he had come from a dystopian future back to the past to try to find ways to change that timeline. And, you know, he, he would post things on the internet, but he also would send faxes into coast to coast AM. And that's kind of how the mythology developed because art would get these mysterious faxes from John Titor, who was in Tampa, Florida, and he had to 
go back into the past to save the future. Very Terminator-esque. Yeah. Right? And uh, he had these predictions. And, well, we're, we're 20 years on now. Yeah. And, and let's see which of his predictions came true. Uh, none of them. <laughs> oh, dang. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad that we're not, you know, sliced up in the three pieces. Although sometimes okay, it feels that. like that. <laughs> so, so he also, see, see, remember, remember CERN? Yeah. The, the European Organization for Nuclear Research. They developed that gigantic super collider or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was one of the things they talked about at Art Bell. They're like, oh, you know, if the super collider, something happens to it, it can destroy the world. It's going to create yeah. a black hole. They said it was going to create a <laughs> black hole and we're all going to get sucked into it. So there, there's all this. So John Titor, I mean, he was saying that, that they would discover the basis for time travel. And they would create mi- miniature black holes with their super collider. And so he said that, you know, they developed that. And uh, that's how we got back to the past was, you know, one of the things. But uh, that never happened. In fact, I don't even think that the their big collider is working right now. Like they had to they had to go back and uh, uh, take a couple of years to work on it. Also, the Torchwood from Doctor Who, the Torch Torchwood's a spinoff of Doctor Who. They had a whole episode, like a whole radio drama based on that too. That the you know right like so right before that they opened up this collider, everybody was like, "Oh yeah, it's going to destroy the world," and it became like it was reality mixing with fiction. So other things he predicted, he predicted the U.S. Civil War. Uh, the, the last Olympics would be in 2004. Well, we certainly had Olympics since 2004. Yeah, we just, just had one, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. We had a Winter Olympics. Yes, we did. And he also claimed that World War III would happen in 2015. And so we're still here. Yeah. Well, maybe um, he, he succeeded in um, diverting the timeline. <laughs> maybe or, he's more effective yeah, there you go. than we thought. <laughs> that could be, that could be. So John Teter, but he made all these claims and then people were dissecting it and they were, they were taking each of his claims and going through on these internet message boards and discussing them. And that was part of what made Art Bell so fantastic was that we also now had a place where we could talk about this with other people. And I think that contributed to, so we think about the 1990s, it really was the victory of the paranormal in mainstream media because X-Files comes out in 1993, and all of a sudden it's a huge hit. It inspires copies like Baywatch Nights. (laughs) (laughs) That's a classic. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, David Hasselhoff was, was hunting the paranormal. Um, That's right, and and you know the X Factor Chronicles of the Paranormal. About there was a Canadian show based on it, right? With uh, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was the host, and but that's um, based on the real files. Yeah, wink, wink. <laughs> and it starred Max Headroom. Max Headroom was the star of, or the guy that played Max Headroom was the star of Chronicles of the Paranormal. Uh, it started. You started to have paranormal shows on TV, like sightings. Yeah, um, like magazine uh, news shows. Yeah, and my personal favorite was with Jonathan Frakes. It was on the UPN, and it was called <laughs> The Paranormal Borderline. Yeah, you've crossed that. the paranormal borderline. <laughs> I love the paranormal with Jonathan oh Frakes. Oh, my God. Um, and so you, it really, the 1990s was the paranormals all over uh, mainstream media, and then Art Bell is at the forefront, getting 9 million v- uh, listeners and this was in 1999. I think at its I think at its height, 
Coast to Coast AM would get 12 million listeners. It was the second most popular radio show in the country. It was only behind Rush Limbaugh for the popularity of its radio program. Right, which is really something when when it, yeah. you realize that it's overnight. Right. This is this is midnight to four o'clock in the morning Central Time on the East Coast. It's even later. Um, on the West Coast, it, it starts at ten o'clock. But those people stay up late anyway. <laughs> and the the thing is, twelve million listeners now. Now Coast to Coast average is less than two million listeners a night. So you think about at its height, Coast to Coast AM is the second most popular radio program in the country. Everybody's listening to Art Bell. That's well, pretty amazing. All, all the cool kids. And everybody's talking about the X-Files. Aliens are on T-shirts now. The gray aliens um, are on people's T-shirts. You know, they're like the alien smoking a joint saying, take me to your dealer or whatever. You see that all over college in 1996. You know, the stupid alien thing. Take me to your dealer. <laughs> but that's uh, the kind of thing where the grays and UFOs, Roswell enters the mainstream. Remember, there's a Roswell TV show. Based on the idea that there was aliens who had uh, crossbred with yeah. obviously good-looking because they were all beautiful <laughs> on that show, they crossbred with good-looking teenagers or whatever in the 1940s, and these kids had alien hybrids in them. Uh, but but that's the thing. So so paranormal enters the mainstream in the 1990s. Art Bell's on the forefront, and the things he was talking about, then people would would uh, talk about it during the day and dissect it and. Because of the internet, you didn't have to be surrounded by weird people. I mean, we were lucky because we were surrounded by weirdos. So that, you know, but not everybody was. And now the internet has a place where you can talk about that. Right. And, now we have the support network. And and right. that's that's the uh, one of the beauties of Art Bell, that he was there for the people of the night. You know, he provided that support network if you didn't have one. Absolutely. And... Uh, all these things, you know, contributed to, to to kind of making the phenomena what it was, uh, I think. And Art was a rock star. You know, he, the show Dark Skies even featured him. But Dark Skies is another alien show. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he, he played um, president of CBS, I think it was. Yes, William Paley. So he's even on TV and stuff. So this guy isn't just this this strange voice in the desert. He's entering the mainstream as well. And the people he interviews, he interviews Leonard Nimoy, he interviews George Carlin, Dan Aykroyd, all these big celebrities appear on his show as well. In addition to some of the more regular guests, and one of those guests is Whitley Strieber. And, you know, we were just joking about the Greys and the Take Me to Your Dealer and stuff like that. But Whitley Strieber creates, he puts the Greys into the mainstream with his book Communion, and then he becomes a guest on our show, a very regular guest. And they write a book together about the coming global superstorm and the weather apocalypse. The quickening. <laughs> yes, the quickening. Yeah. Oh, I um, forgot about the quickening. And, and um, Whitley uh, had a spinoff show uh, for a while as yeah, well. Dreamland. Dreamland. That's yeah. right. And, you know, you could listen to that and then you could listen to Dreamland. And um, then uh, Whitley still has the, the website Unknown Country, although I haven't listened to his podcast lately. I wonder if that's still going. But Whitley Strieber then, he, I mean, he's with Art Bell too. And so he Art's like in the, like the center of this paranormal maelstrom. He always finds himself in the middle of it. And that's one of the reasons that he made such a believable voice because he seemed to work with all these people who were paranormal experts, but he did it in a way 
with like you said before, very uh, I think a very important point is that he wasn't a yes man. He would he listened to the entire thing. He would sometimes challenge, um, but he didn't act like he believed every single thing. And so we talk about Willie Strieber, and I mean we've talked about him a thousand times. We have to talk about some of his other guests that you'd listen to. And I always loved with Father Malachi Martin. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and then from Christmas one year, you got me <laughs> his book, Hostage to the Devil. Yes. <laughs> and um, yeah, and he had, I mentioned Satanist before. I, I remember uh, him having um, a woman who called herself Harlot on, who was given to the, to the devil when she was a baby. Like she, she was born into satanic worship. So that was interesting, like hearing like her perspective and, um, you know, then father Malachi Martin, was she born into actual Satan worship or was she just born into like Anton LaVey Satan or Marilyn Manson style? Satanism? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I mean, she said that, you know, she was a real Satanist, but you know, of course his show was for entertainment purposes. You can't, uh, you can't really, ever determine if if someone's really a satanist but you know she talked about you know horrible rites that that they performed and then i fell asleep so i don't know the rest (laughs) oh it was so all these horrible scary things (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that's the stuff and then the snoring (laughs) but father malachi would come on and when you talk about hardcore catholic like father malachi was like your angry, he was angry Catholic priest that Vatican yeah. II ever happened. You know, he would, he'd come on and he would just talk about the new Catholic church like, they're all going to hell. You know, he just was such a an interesting character because he really, Father Malachi was all into the, the exorcism, all into fighting the devil. He believed the devil was everywhere. Yeah. And that there were people that were perfectly possessed, as he would put it, uh, that there were people who, want it to be possessed. I mean, this was their their uh, way to power and that they, you would never know that they're possessed because this is what they want. They weren't fighting it. So they weren't just hostage to the devil. They were, they were the devil. Compliant, bringing it okay. forth into, into meat space, into our All reality. Right. So, I mean, Father Malachi talking about his, and that was my first experience where people were actually talking about exorcisms like it was a real thing. Yeah. I remember asking our priest, Father Bob or whatever, I'm like, you ever had to do an exorcism? And he's like, <laughs> what? And I remember Father Bob's like drinking at the time. Like he's talking like, Father, oh, no. he had like a beer and a smoke and be like, what? No, he's like, those people are just crazy. He didn't say that, did he? Yeah, no, Father Bob, because I asked him about that, because I asked him about two things, but before you get confirmed, you have a conversation with the priest, and I'm like, well, what about- (laughs) You used it to full advantage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to talk about exorcism, and what was the other- As well. (laughs) And I also wanted to talk about, I said, I'm like, what about hell, Father Bob? Like, Buddhists, like, what if they're good? Buddhists can be good. They they still go to hell? He's like, nah, they go to heaven, too. As long as you're a good person, they're fine. And, and then I'm like, all right, and what about... He's like, nah, people... Like, the devil's not possessing people. Those people are just crazy, and they need psychological help. Um, now, Father Bob's probably going to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I think because that goes, ratted him out. The, that goes against the Pope. Right, Malachi Martin would be like... Get him out of the priesthood break no. <laughs> and the Pope even is like, the devil's real. But does the Pope yeah. have to deal with little kids coming up and being like, 
what happens to the other good people? They don't go to heaven? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know this new, cool, fancy, like, he's oh, like yeah. the new, cool, liberal pope and stuff Yeah, like he'd be like, he'd be like, yeah, everybody goes to heaven. Right, I like, like how, Mike, when you talk about him, you, you look like Ricky Martin or something, the way yeah, your shoulders start like, moving. Like, like, hey, <laughs> I'm the new, cool pope, I kiss boys. You know, like, he's down. You know, he's whatever, whatever, he's down with everything. He's like, you're divorced? I don't care. Come to church, baby. <laughs> I know, but he's still, he's still um, walking the party line about the devil. He's like, the it's devil's true. real. Yes, I'm cool. But the devil's real. <laughs> devil's gonna Not get a joke. you, baby. Devil's gonna get you. <laughs> <laughs> it's no joke. Um, but yeah, yeah, Father Malachi Martin and his perfectly possessed thing. I, I that remember. was the first time I ever heard a priest actually, or somebody you know, a, uh, who had some relationship with the church actually talk about the devil like he was a real character. Right. And not, you know, not just some figment of our imagination. Because the church after the exorcist was trying to... Downplay, downplay, downplay. Like, downplay the fact that we were, were kind of, you know, we're doing this crap to kids and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you and I have, um, you know, we've both uh, researched uh, local exorcisms. And uh, yeah, that's really the thing where where priests um, would would uh, come forward in newspaper articles and be like, "No, it's not like that. That guy was crazy." Yeah, please. <laughs> you, you know, um, you, you don't need to perform that many exorcisms. You know, they really were trying to downplay it, but it has been a major part of the Catholic Church, and it still is. Yeah. And that that's something that that. Uh, you know, people should acknowledge that it is a very important part of the Roman Catholic faith. So, what are some of your other favorite guests? Like Father Malachi Martin, he was entertaining. Um, the first couple times that Richard Hoagland was on, I enjoyed that because uh, uh, I'm like, oh, this guy's interesting. <laughs> but then he started getting way too in the face on Mars. Yeah, yeah. He downplays that he had a picture with like he's got like some commendation from the first President Bush, and so he uses that to be like, oh yeah, well you know I'm official and everything. I met the right, president. Right. Um, yeah, I can't go there with with um with Hoagland, but I want to share about John Greenwald, because uh, he was a fifteen year old kid who creates this site. You know, this is back in nineteen ninety six. Um, you know, so he's old like all of us now. Um, but you know, in nineteen ninety six, he's a high school kid, fifteen years old. He loves the X Files, and he's like, I, you know, I'm not just gonna love the X Files. I want to do something about it. He's, you know, that whole the truth is out there thing. I, I mean, that was his uh, call to action. And so he's like, the truth is out there. I'm finding it. So he has devoted his life uh, and is still doing it today uh, to to put out freedom of information requests. And we all can do it. But usually we don't. We can ask for information from the government about what the heck is really going on. And you might have to wait years. I mean, some of his requests, he's had to wait, you know, like a decade for or more. Right. Uh, but he's in, in this for the long haul. So uh, he was on Art Bell when he was 17 years old. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, so he's got the site still today. You can go um, and he has just, I, I don't know how many documents now, but just at millions at least and uh he um on uh april 14th he uh, posted on his black vault page 
Uh, this is his quote. I appeared on Art Bell's show quite a few times, and to say he was a legend is an understatement. I have him to thank for giving a 17-year-old his big break in radio many years ago. And based on that interview, Whitley Strieber, for my big break in television. The rest is Black Vault history. I never forgot the belief that this man had in me to bring a teenager onto his show to talk to millions. Art will be sorely missed. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, uh, the Black Vault is something we've talked about before because that's that's a great place that you guys can go to to find freedom of information documents and stuff. And, I mean, he started careers. You know, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Like, he, he started careers. He brought people to the forefront. Um, you know, think about that guy, Jerome Corsi, who uh, now he, you know, he mostly does InfoWars stuff. He's, a, he's an InfoWars. Uh, Alex Jones? Speaking of InfoWars, oh, yeah. like that's where Alex Jones, you know, his conspiracies, his breaking into the Bilderberg group and everything like that, like that all came from these late night radio shows. And since then, they've they've turned that into a career for themselves, whether whether for good or ilk uh, depends on, you know, probably where you stand. But that's the thing that Art Bell's show built careers. And that's part of what made him uh, so awesome. You know, that's that's part of that's part of why we love it. And speaking of freedom of information, um, this is in the uh, See You on the Other Side podcast newsletter that just came out yesterday. Now, if you guys do not belong to the See You on the Other Side podcast email list, uh, you might want to check it out because this is a newsletter you'll enjoy because we have five great paranormal stories every week. Um, government accidentally sends file on, quote, remote mind control unquote methods to journalist doing a freedom of information act. Whoa. So this week um, they accidentally sent along uh, on this, this completely different freedom of information act request, which was about white supremacist groups, um, Homeland security. That's where he was looking for. Instead, he receives a file on psychoelectric weapons that have electromagnetic effects on the human body. Included are uh, elements of mind control, controlling dreams, this whole thing on psychoelectric weapon effects that the government was working on, at least at some point, maybe not recently, um, but that gets accidentally sent in a Freedom of Information Act request. So that's why things like the Black Vault are fun to look through because you never know what you're going to find. And also, that's why you should be uh, subscribed to the See You on the Other Side podcast newsletter, because that's the kind of stuff that's that you're going to hear about every single week. Um, you know, so we're talking about some of our favorite uh, arts guests. I mean, he introduced me to the mind of Michio Kaku, mm, who oh, I yeah. love. Yes. You know, and he's also a real science. And that's fun. We talked to Brian Green or Michio Kaku, and he talked to, you know, it's fun to get the crazy stuff in there, um, but it's always fun to that he'd be able to also keep up with guys who are real scientists and, and physicists who are, who are working on this, who like to talk about the theoretical aspect and the science fiction aspect, as well as um, the hard science aspect. You know, that was always one of my favorites when uh, Michio Kaku would be on there. It's also where first time I ever heard Yuri Geller was on oh, our yeah. show. That was a cool episode because he was telling everybody to take their, their broken watches and uh, radios oh, yeah. and things. And then he'd have you set them right in front of your radio. And then he did the whole <laughs> work thing. And then people would call in and say, oh, my gosh, it's, it's amazing. It's a miracle. I loved that episode. Or I'm sure there were several of them, actually. I'm sure he was a recurring guest. But uh, I definitely remember listening to that live. 
<laughs> right, me too. And, and that was part, uh, you could, Wendy, it might have been, it might have been when we were living in the same house, you could probably hear it coming out of our rooms in the middle <laughs> right. of the night. You know, yeah. we'd, have, we'd, have, we'd have the radios on. But the thing is, he'd introduce you to those people. And well, Yuri Geller, you realize how uh, charismatic of a speaker and stuff he <laughs> yes. is that you'd be like, oh man, I, I kind of believe it too. He's, uh, he's over the radio and I think he's bending a spoon. Right. You know, I <laughs> exactly. It's very convincing. That was also. Coast to Coast AM under art was the first place they'd have these massive thinking experiments or prayers and stuff like that. They'd have these whole groups work together to try to use the, their mind bullets to make changes in the world and experiments. And art's show was, was the first place that that really happened. That was always cool. So that was the, the fun part is that they developed stuff that just had never been seen before and never been heard before. And that's why we loved it. Now, at the same time... This is where Art could get into trouble because he had such a massive influence, because he talked about these topics that nobody else was talking about. He also talked about some things that would have an effect on people. Uh, You know, Allison, in our interview with Nick Redfern, you talk about that you had listened to Coast to Coast the same weekend that those girls stabbed the girl in the Slender Man. Yeah, so... It was was not just the same weekend. It was um, the morning the early morning hours of uh that day so um and i was listening to it um that day uh later uh in the afternoon because i'm a subscriber so you know i don't always listen to it in the middle of the on night demand. But yeah i listen to it on demand instead and so but I was keeping up current with it, and you know I'm cleaning the kitchen, and I, they're talking about you know Slenderman, you know this fictional internet character. Could it become a reality, and how that might happen? And you know people are putting so much of their intention into it. And geez, why can't we get people to put their intentions into stuff like? birthday uh i don't know but but anyway people are manifesting the idea that they're manifesting the slender man and then i go to the next room turn on the news and what do i hear about but but the stabbing that has just happened so uh it was um, that's freaky. right, really startling. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing, and so this happened. This, no, this was uh, in 2014, so this wasn't back in in the Art Bell times, right? But this was let's later. go back. Let's go back to the Art Bell times. Now, nobody, no, thank God, nobody died in that incident. But here's something where they did, and we had a whole episode on Heaven's Gate when the 20th anniversary happened last year, right? Um, and we, you know, we talked about so the Heaven's Gate cult. Just real quick, if you aren't familiar, these are people who believe that aliens were going to come down and they were going to join up with the aliens and go on to this next life that would be beautiful and perfect and all of that. Um, and in the beginning, it was physical. It was that the aliens were actually going to come down and they were going to jump on the spaceship and join them. But in the end, after the cult leader's uh, partner died, uh, he started getting more and more into that they have to die too to be able to go on to the other side. Well, 1997, the Hale-Bopp Comet is going to come by and we're going to be able to see it uh, on Earth. And this astronomer calls up the Art Bell Show and says he's got a photograph. His name was Chuck Schramick and Chuck was an amateur astronomer from Houston. He says he's got a photograph that appears to show a large object behind the comet. And he speculated that object would be about four times the size of the Earth. The whole idea was that this uh, comet had a companion, a companion UFO. 
and uh, then then somebody comes on and he's got some remote viewers. He comes on Art Bell's show and he says, "Oh yeah, this object companion. These my remote viewers have said that it's full of aliens." All right. So now we have a comet coming through, and the comet actually is coming through. We've got a mysterious object next to the comet, and we've got people saying that they're aliens. Well, the Heaven's Gate cult uses that information directly from the Coast to Coast show to say that these are the aliens that we, you know, they're coming to pick us up. This is our ride. And to get on that ride. (laughs) And to get on that ride, we all got to die. Right. Uh, and so they killed themselves. And I mean, we we'll go back. To, you can go back to that episode and we give you in depth on you know how that all happened. It was a tragedy. And it was sad. And now it's like a like a pop culture punchline when people think about the the Nike shoes that they all wore. Uh, but at the same time, you know, a couple dozen people lost their lives. A horrible thing. Very. Yeah. It's so sad. And and so it, you know. There's a whole article from the uh, Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, their Skeptical Inquirer magazine, uh, goes into depth, and they, they, they try to paint some of that blame on Art's show. That, that's, that kind of journalism, you know, that, that kind of journalism where you're not challenging people enough or letting you know, people go off on these imaginary tangents of aliens in this companion object, people use that to hurt other people. Now, Art... Now, he didn't feel like his responsibility. He said, I'm not going to stop presenting my material because there are unstable people. That's what the First Amendment is all about. Yeah. You know, and that, that is, it's, it's not his fault. Yeah. He's Absolutely presenting not. an interesting topic. Yeah. And he's saying that, like, look, I can't help but the fact that these people already were part of a UFO cult. Is he supposed to not report on something that he thinks is interesting? And that, I mean, that's just heaven's gate. Yeah, and what they could, you know, people can go off on anything, you know. I mean, it it's, could have been the other way that you know somebody somebody hears that they're here and is like, hey, we got to clean up this house, you know, uh, figuratively, you know, right. we we've got to you know get together and and um and you know uh, care about our environment, care about each other. I mean, they could have gone that way with it too. I mean, sure. It, it's just a possibility that, you know, there could have been an alien ship behind Hillbop. Um, hey, but, I mean, you know, but the hippies are dead. that information's up to you. What was that? I said, but the hippies are dead. So what we're left <laughs> with is alien cults that kill themselves. But, you know, one thing that I thought was a little irresponsible, uh, as much as I loved Art Bell, was the coverage of Y2K. Oh, yeah, I mean, that was almost panic I exciting. Mean, let's not forget about let's not forget about Y2K because that wasn't that was something that reasonable people thought could oh, yeah, be a well, real issue. Now well, for you but, guys, for you guys in the present here, you kids listening to the show, you don't understand that there was an entire panic that went around for the fact that we did not use four digit dating at the end of the 20th century. So 1231, 1999 actually was written out on computers as 1231.99. And when it would turn over to 010100, computers would freak out because they wouldn't realize it was the year 2000. They would think that it was 1900 or 00, and they did not 
would not be able to figure out what would happen when their dates would turn to zero zero. And so what were some of the things that people were saying was going to happen with Y2K? Oh, the power grid was going to go down. out of the sky. <laughs> I love it. The panic starts all at once. Wendy's like, the power is going to go down. And I was like, satellites are falling from the sky. <laughs> yeah. And airlines. Whole, yeah, like planes. <laughs> Basically Armageddon. But it was a real... So why do you think that was irresponsible? I mean, I know... He was just talking about it, but the truth is people really didn't know what was going to happen. So, you know, he was he was bringing forth all the possibilities of, I guess, the worst case scenarios, maybe. But I don't know. At that time, it was a curiosity that nobody really did know what was going to happen. Oh, yeah. And I um, at the time was, um, you know, an Internet professional. So uh, I had, you know, people that worked with me that, you know, someone that worked with me was studying um, programming at MSOE, and she said that, uh, that that's the Milwaukee School of Engineering. And um, she's she said, um, "Hey, one of my professors. This was you know way before Y2K. As you know, this was like 1995 or 1996 or something like that. And and she she had come to me and said, "Hey, one of my professors is, is saying, you know, there's an opportunity." going on right now that you should get in on which is an opportunity for coders to you know get in on this mad scramble to correct these problems with the upcoming y2k so it was a thing that you know they were talking about at the milwaukee um school of engineering so it was a thing that that was in the minds of uh, programmers at the time well the reason i think it was kind of irresponsible is that you use the, he hedged his bets a little bit. Here's an, here's an interview with the uh, Los Angeles Times in December of, uh, December 27th, 1999. And he's just like, well, is the big one coming that night? He's like, no, I don't necessarily believe that. What I do expect is the possibility of power problems as midnight approaches. There are hundreds of thousands of embedded chips and nobody knows what the hell is going to happen with those. This isn't software. These are actual computer chips and power companies switching equipment and the power companies have not done a lot of remediation. And then he goes, power is what pumps your water. When you don't have water, you can't flush the toilet. And if the power goes off, I think people are not going to regard that so well. I'm more concerned about people, about the social reaction than I am about machines. They're like, do you mean riots? They're not unknown, are they? And people seem to take any advantage of any opportunity to go to collect their favorite color TV. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm not, but what I mean is, you, he hedges bets in the way that um, that danger made the whole topic of Y2K very scintillating. But at the same time, it there was a panic element associated with it, and so there is a line when you are talking about these things between the scintillation and the, the titillation of, is there going to be a riot? Is there, I mean, that's the whole, that whole family guy that the first episode of family guy is Y2K and the world ends. You know, the idea <laughs> is that once Y2K happens, Peter's proven right. He's in a bunker, but the rest of the world is, explodes. And there was a, there was a mini series too. Why? Like an NBC movie of the week. Y2K, you know, <laughs> That whole thing, the disaster film about what's going to happen when the power grid goes out on the West Coast and everybody starts freaking out and killing each other like it's 1992 <laughs> uh, Los Angeles. And so I, I do think there was, like, they used that 
to get people to listen. Oh, it's a Y2K. I know I listened because I'm thinking, oh man, what happens in Madison if it all goes out? I ended up being 2000. By the time it was midnight, I've been too drunk. I'd have been the first guy killed anyway. <laughs> you know, I I enjoyed, I enjoyed too many champagne toasts before the New Year. So I'd have been, uh, if we'd had riots in Madison, it'd have been my body that'd been dragging nice. through the streets. Yeah. You're like, you're like, oh, I really should have my wits about me. Oh, but there's beer. Refill? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, at least I go out in a good mood. (laughs) Like if the, if the nukes, you know, Y2K caused the nukes to go off. But that's the, I mean, but those are the things that we were talking about. And it was, apocalypse was on the lips. Yeah. Apocalypse. Oh boy. Yeah. Plural. Hey, hey, Um, thank you. I'll be here for at least another 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, he was just looking at what was coming. I mean, I don't sure. think that that he knew um, if it was going to no. be devastation or not. I mean, he was I'm not just... casting any blame on the guy. I just mean the fact right. is there all that we talk about, the, the good parts of this paranormal discussion and the way these things open people's minds and also how paranormal was in the mainstream in the 1990s and it had good parts and bad parts. And how dangerous it is. To open people's minds, right. you know, one Can be. <laughs> uh, one thing that comes to mind is Orson Welles and uh, <laughs> the, you know, what happened, um, what happened uh, in the aftermath of what he did. The but, War of the uh, Worlds broadcast yeah. in 1938. People, people freaked out, and um, you know, they called the police, and, and they thought like, they really thought that the Martians were coming for New Jersey. Like the Martians are going to come for New Jersey first. <laughs> the War of the Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to make sure that we talk about a certain topic, and I think you guys uh, should relate to this one well. And I'm curious if it influenced you as historical haunting experts. Whenever Ooh. Art would have the ghost to ghost AM specials, oh, you know, from time to oh, time, yeah. he would just flat out say, okay, next week, you know, this date, the topic is going to be ghost stories and it would just be open lines and people calling in with their best and worst <laughs> hauntings and uh, personal stories of things that they've experienced. So did you guys like that as much as I did? Because that was always one of my favorite topics. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Every <laughs> Halloween ghost to ghost. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was I my, mean, that was my favorite. And and he really, I mean, for those people calling in, like they had such compelling ghost stories. Yeah, I'm, I get goosebumps just thinking about it right now. Because I remember yeah. just laying in bed and listening to that in the dark and just people calling in with the, the freakiest, scariest things. That was must listen. <laughs> and, and, you know, as, as I w- was saying, um, you know, this must listen material comes from the fact that uh, here is a part of human experience that has been a real integral part of our evolution for millennia and it with our with our mechanist and you know materialist reductionist worldview it's been kicked to the curb and that just leaves people in a difficult position because weird stuff is happening (laughs) and what are you supposed to do? And who will I listen to me about it? Right? You know, that's the only where, place you can go with it. Uh, so he gave people a forum for that. And, you know. He did. And, and for that, he was given the Carl Sagan Snuffed Candle Award. <laughs> oh, really? 
Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In like 1998, he was given these, the Carl Sagan snuffed candle, and, the, and that that's whole uh, Carl Sagan as as science as the candle in the dark. Now he was uh, Carl Sagan was billion. He was billions and billions uh, percent against the, any claims of the paranormal, demonic, right, the activity. demon haunted war world. Yeah, that was his book. And while we talk about the balance between the scintillating aspect of this and the the responsible of it, I mean, that's one of the reasons that you can't go too far in either direction. If you go too uh, atheist in it, then you discount people's experiences. But if you go too spiritual, um, then you never actually build a bridge. <laughs> you know, you're like, well, God will get you across. No, sometimes you got to build a bridge. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, I just want to interject here. You know, we, we recently had Gary Lachman on the, the program and he he writes about something he calls cosmic consciousness which is balancing those two aspects these essential aspects of humanity and that you know he thinks you know this cosmic consciousness has has surfaced you know many times you know throughout our evolution in certain people and that we're all working towards this like that balancing act uh, and then you can really see the world for what it is if you hold both of those things together uh, simultaneously, even though they seem to be opposed, then you'll you'll really see what the world's all about. And uh, I think that's I think that's a great way to put it in the idea that we we need to have a little bit of both. You need to have a little bit of spookiness to go along with your daily dose of reality, because rea- reality sometimes is mm, boring, <laughs> and spooky makes it fun. Yeah, and and spooky is relevant too. Right. I mean. I'm glad that Art Bell, and and I wish I would have known like what was his reaction to uh, those um, those New York Times articles that came out in December of this year about um, UFO investigation still going on uh, in the government. You know, I I wonder like what was he thinking about that. I'm glad he lived to see it. I'm glad that Art really, he gave us so much of himself. And, and, and the thing is, he wasn't a man that was uh, opposed to a little mystery in his life, too. Remember when Art would have these mysterious retirements, and he had several mysterious retirements uh, in his career. Unannounced. Uh, his, yeah. I mean, his, his first one had to deal with uh, you know, his, his son being sexually assaulted uh, and then mm, having some suicidal terrible. thoughts. And that's, very, that's a very tragic and scary one. His son was sexually assaulted by a, his gym teacher who had HIV. And then his, his son started, like Art talks in, in this interview, he talks about how uh, he was writing poetry about death, giving away all his possessions. And he had to deal with his son you know, going through that. And then somebody... Another radio host in Nevada accuses Art of child molestation. What? Yeah, and so this is in the late 90s. So Art's getting death threats because people are saying that he's a child molester and that his son is going through this stuff. And so Art has serious personal issues that create his first retirement. And he leaves coast to coast uh, to a guy named Jason Siegel, who did an okay job, but he was was no Art Bell. (laughs) And uh, then Art comes back for a couple years and then he retires again and then he's got his show on uh sirius xm radio after that and then he starts saying that there's he hears gunshots around his property and that he's investigating things that he shouldn't and so for the safety of his family he has to retire again so in addition to talking about these topics art in his later years ends up becoming um 
well, becoming a target himself, becoming a topic himself of mystery. Yeah. And so I always thought that was, it was interesting that this guy who would talk about topics that you weren't supposed to be able to talk about, eventually himself feels that he has to, he has to be forced off the air. Yeah. And that, that's a, a sobering conclusion, but you know, it's, it's kind of in a narrative, you know, if this was a narrative, you know, what you'd, what you'd expect that, you know, when you start looking into the unknown, at some point it looks back. That's right. That's the, the whole Nietzsche, you know, if you stare into the abyss, <laughs> be careful because the abyss might stare back. And well, Nietzsche himself was dealing with his own uh, psych- <laughs> psychological issues at the time. But that's the thing. But Art dared to stare into the abyss. And, um, you know, the most famous call, and uh, speaking of being forced off the air, yeah, uh, his his most famous call is when he had his his line for people that you worked at Area Fifty One. He's like, if right. you work it or used to work at Area Fifty One, special hotline for you. Yeah, this was in nineteen ninety seven. The the what's become known as the frantic caller from Area Fifty One, <laughs> and uh, so my husband and I, you know, this was a Saturday night. We were listening um, to Art Bell, uh, and you know falling asleep and and we had i thought we had fallen asleep but then you know uh scott wakes up a little bit and then you know i wake up a little bit and we're listening and then this guy comes on and he's super believable he really this caller sound like he was in a panic and Mm -hmm. he's like oh no they're gonna try and get on my position and art's like so droll about it you know he's he's like well give us something quick (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh you know he's he's really like breaking down and crying and saying you know i used to work at area 51 and the government they know they know what, what's happening you know what we call aliens are really interdimensional beings and and they want to eliminate like three-fourths of the population right the, the population centers let it happen because because you know, the few that are left behind will be easier to control. And then the whole show goes off the air. Yeah, it goes Like, uh, apparently, like the network lost satellite lock or something like that. And then suddenly we have the best of Art Bell playing, you know, for several minutes afterward until they're able to get back um, with the satellite and get him back on the air. So that was and and Art comes back was. and he's like and he's like this has never happened before. Yeah, that was well orchestrated. <laughs> that was really crazy. And then so Scott and I are like, oh, that's up. That that, that that's it. We're up. We're up for the yeah. <laughs> right. And I mean that call is so famous. First of all, it's it's September eleventh, nineteen ninety seven. Oh, really? so yeah. So that 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 happens, and then it's such a famous call. It's, it's replayed a bunch of times in the best of art bell. Like that's everybody's favorite. Cause it's just a, it's a pants crapper. <laughs> like that is, <laughs> that is the scariest call. And I don't know if I heard it that night or I heard it a, like when it was replayed a couple days later, but art comes back. He's like, yeah, I've, I, we've never lost satellite before. That was the first time that ever happened. And then there's people saying that, you know, when I'm looking at the best of art bell and people are talking about it, there's a guy calls in a couple weeks later says, Hey, what a good, what a good joke. Right. I, I really, I really did that. Well, like somebody calls and tries to take, credit for oh it. man tries to say that oh yeah that was me what a good hoax or or was it the right government? exactly and that was an fbi agent calling in saying oh we gotta we gotta clear this up um but then tool uses that 
in one of their songs, they use some of the they use some of his freaking out from their Lateralis album that came out in 2001. They got a song called Fiap de Olad, <laughs> means voice of God in Anakian. Anakian, a language developed by Edward Kelly in the 16th century. John and Dee. Ke- yep. And said this language had been revealed to him by the angels. So Tool uses a cool like paranormal language for the name of one of their songs, and they integrate this stuff right into that track. And that, you know, that was always a cool thing that people thought that um, that the guys from Tool had like had made that up, you know, in their secret track or whatever. But but actually what happened, they used that uh, they used the, that radio call uh, in there. But that besides being on the best to art bell, fast forward to September of 2017 and people in California, uh, a Thursday morning, they're just watching their, you know, their regular TV in Orange County. Spectrum and Cox cable users. All of a sudden, there's a there's an emergency alert broadcast to them. So somebody gets in on the emergency alert system. September of 2017. This is just last year, not even six months ago, or right around six months ago. The video broadcast says, got a terrified voice saying, "The space program made contact with. They're not what they claim to be. They have infiltrated a lot of uh, a lot of aspects of the military establishment, particularly Air 51. The disasters that are coming. The military. Uh, the government knows about them. Broadcast over cable with the emergency broadcast alert." last Holy September. Cow. So there's a different voice jumps on and says extremely violent times will come. And people are freaking out that this is their emergency broadcast system. Um, and only later on like they realized that people that, that somebody had broken into the emergency broadcast system, had taken a couple of different broadcasts, including this original Art Bell phone call, mixed it with this Christian radio program called Insight for Living with Chuck Swindell and took that this whole about extremely violent times will come and things like that, mashed it together and broadcast it as an emergency broadcast in Southern California. Wow, was that was that person apprehended yet? No, they don't know who did it. Wow, that that that's amazing stuff. Yeah, and so it makes the Orange County Register. It makes a few blogs like Gizmodo. Uh, Midnight in the Desert talks about it. Obviously, Heather Wade talks about it because uh, she is the successor to Art mm-hmm. Bell and his Midnight in the Desert program. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that famous call gets reused over and it's so good that 21 years later, people are still using it to scare the crap out of people in yeah. pranks. And I didn't know didn't know it was on September 11th, and that actually was a Thursday, so I must have had a sleepless, yeah, really uh, sleepless. Uh, um, yeah, at work <laughs> Friday. Yeah, hopefully I I took that day off. So, but <laughs> but so that was I mean that was Art's most famous call, and it was such a brilliant piece of radio. Uh, whether it was a hoax or not. I mean, at the time, I thought it was real. At the time, I was like, "Oh, it's God!" But the satellite uplink, the government, man. <laughs> so we all freaked out a little bit just over that. So, Absolutely. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us today on this memory of Art Bell. And it's nice to talk about somebody who had such an yeah, influence over we'll all miss of us. Him. And so, Art, you're gone too soon. Seventy-two uh, makes me sad because we'll never get to have you on the program, which is always a dream. Yeah, and um, I I just want to interject too um, that I was fortunate enough though to be on Midnight in the Desert in uh, November of uh, this um, last year, two thousand seventeen. So okay, so I wasn't on with Art himself, but I felt like maybe he's listening. I was on with Heather Wade, and 
just you know the bumper music coming through um i mean it was the same bumpers that art used to use you know when you're coming back to the guest you would hear like a thunderclap <laughs> that's cool and and i was like oh my god like just hearing the bumpers like put me back into that space i forgot a lot of these things um you know but then they come right back to you when you're in that space all all the things um that he did and and you know how meaningful it was to so many of us you know started flooding back um you know when i was on and and just you know some crazy stuff too like um that uh that phaedra song <laughs> uh yeah so just some crazy songs some you know some crazy ideas and and just a a place for all of us. I mean, that, that's what that's what he did, and uh, and he made this area of human experience, which is really difficult for for some of us to to uh, think about. He made it more accessible, and he, he made it something that people could talk about and discuss. And you know, for for that, we we owe him a debt of gratitude. So I really appreciate that you thought of having this this tribute to him. I think it's really something that's important well goodbye art thank you for the hundreds uh, if not thousands of hours of entertainment that you've given us over the years uh we sure appreciate that and uh we'll we'll always have those nice memories of long scary drives uh to your voice so uh the song this week is actually based on his open line fridays open line fridays were a mixed bag they still are because they still do my coast to coast am but open line fridays could be a mixed bag sometimes you would get some incredible stories sometimes you get the scariest stuff you ever heard and sometimes it would just be playing a game of (laughs) whack-a-mole and so which you know who could be you know who could be the craziest and so the song this week is 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 dedicated to the memory art bell and those wonderful open line fridays he used to have Uh, this is called on the line You're on the line And who knows what crazy things we'll hear
It don't matter if you're a liar Or an angel or a vampire Well, you're preaching to the choir In the dark of the night And it don't matter if you're a liar Or an angel or a vampire Well, you're preaching to the choir In the dark of the night Just don't waste our time When you're on the line for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. But wait, 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 wait. What, what, wait, what? Before we go, we got to say thank you to our Patreon community, particularly Dr. Ned. Yes, thank you so much, all of you. You guys are the ones that keep us going every single week, which is why we want to hang out with you this week. Yay, can't wait. So that'll be Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central Time. Uh, let's all hang out and let's talk about weird stuff for the evening. Just like Art used to talk to people. Uh, we can do that, too. Yeah, and you can share your favorite Art Bell memories or, or episodes that you heard and anything else that you think of fondly or not fondly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you can have a, com- have a conversation. So what we like to do, if you guys aren't part of a Patreon community, we like to talk to everybody who supports us in person in person over the internet, uh, every month we have a hangout where we go on Google and we just sit around and we shoot the business uh, as we talk about paranormal stuff and just lives and things like that. And so it's a really nice community and we'd love to see you guys being a part of it at um, othersidepodcast.com slash donate is where you can learn more about it. And so members of our community, just a quick reminder that will be happening on Wednesday, April 25th at 7 p.m. Central Time. So look out for the Google Plus invite for that. All right. Remember, othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Have a great week. All these horrible, scary things. (laughs) 